Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself begin our discussion on Article 1 of the Augsburg Confession, talking about my favorite subject, the Trinity. I pray that you would enjoy it as much as I did. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have with me today... Pastor Jason Goodham. Pastor Brian Rickey. And nobody else today. No, no interviewees, but we're finally... Getting into the material of the Augsburg Confession. Right. It, we were not stalling. We, we had some material we wanted to cover mm-hmm. for it. And, and ironically, Brian, you don't know this, Brett and I talked off the air, mm-hmm. and we're just going to sit these four episodes out. <laughs> <laughs> this is just you. Wow. This is all for you. Uh, <laughs> that'll be boring. Brian's, <laughs> Brian's been waiting for this now for almost 160 episodes for us to directly mm-hmm. cover this topic, and now we get four episodes in Brian's wheelhouse. The Trinity. Good yeah. stuff. I know that we have, we've had a couple other ex episodes yep. where we've touched on it and it's been good, but I am looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to some of the Old Testament allusions to mm-hmm. the Trini- Trinity. All allusions, not illusions. Yeah, that's, right. I, did yeah. I say No, I, I just okay. want to make clear. Yeah, no, thank <laughs> you. No, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to speak um, wrongly in this mm-hmm. one for sure. But um, no, it, it's funny because as I studied out personally for me, mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of doctrines. I don't know. I know that you guys have expressed this mm-hmm. off here that there's doctrines that all of us have wrestled with over the years, mm-hmm. you know, and like, you know, whether it be predestination or uh, I know that you struggled with the whole works righteousness thing, Jason. And um, I think all of us try to fight for the clarity of preaching law and mm-hmm. gospel um, properly. Um, but the Trinity, in, in a really personal way, as I started to understand the image of God in light of God's character and who he is it really started to make other doctrines so much clearer. It was amazing hmm. to me. And I hope that kind of comes out. That's my biggest heart for our listeners is that, that you know, and I don't mean this in a guilt and shame way, but I think there is a sense of lethargy uh, in the American Christian church to really examine mm-hmm. the person of God, the one God of Israel who's revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, yet these three are one and wrestling with that concept, the mm-hmm. distinct persons versus the one God of creation. And I don't know, I get mm-hmm. a little excited. I got to watch myself. <laughs> yeah, right. You guys will have to make... You're basically glowing right now. I know. <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to kind of like stop me if I go too far, but there, um, yeah. it'd be really easy to get off on... on right. On st- soapboxes and tangents here. So I will be careful to stay to the script. Well, that's good. I, I'm glad that you shared that because uh, I guess I've always, I don't ever really asked you why, why do you love talking about the Trinity so much? So, so it's fun to hear you say that as a preface to this. Especially in light of marriage. I know that mm-hmm. you're um, really passionate about mm-hmm. counseling and Christian counseling. And when you understand um, the image of God in that male and female, he created mm-hmm. them. Um, that's a beautiful, beautiful picture and I think that we kind of take that for granted a little bit. And I think that, you know, like, say I called you Joe the whole, I'm pointing to Brett. Yeah. I called you Joe the whole thing, and yeah. I called you, you know, Ralph, Jason, the whole thing. I've been called worse. I know, I know. But, but what that expresses then yeah. is that I really don't care about you. Mm-hmm. And when we don't dialogue about the Trinity, the triune God of creation, in the way that he's chosen to reveal himself in Scripture, and we don't do the digging— we're basically saying, ah, we don't really care. 
I want to get to the, the weightier things of Scripture, mm-hmm. which is absolutely ridiculous because everything hinges on the person of God. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that Ron Swanson Parks and Rec meme where he intentionally calls his co-workers by incorrect names to demonstrate that he doesn't actually care about them. <laughs> and that's the truth. Exactly. And that's my point exactly. I mean, even, I can't, def- I can't believe we're still using the word Jehovah in some of our songs and languages. Hmm. It just it bothers I, me. I, I will say, and it's nothing from nowhere, but Jehovah usually fits better in lyrics than Yahweh does. Yeah. <laughs> so what? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so what? I, I'm sorry, but I wouldn't want someone changing my name just to fit in a lyric. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I think it's important to ascribe worthy and honor mm-hmm. to the Holy of Holies, to the triune God of creation. Well, in... in from that perspective, you know, my home is in the catechism, and it is really stunning when you stop to think about it, how the doctrine of the Trinity permeates the entire, like, all six parts of the catechism. Yes. It's it's there all over the place. Not only do you have the, the Apostles' Creed, which is restructured by Luther around the Trinity, mm-hmm. but you have, you know, the second commandment, the first commandment, the second commandment, dealing with God's identity and his name, and then uh, the opening to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, you have Trinitarian implications with our Father, but then hallowed be your name. And, and all of this is it's intricately woven together. And it's it's worth thinking about, especially mm-hmm. at the outset of the Augsburg Confession. I think it can be easy to treat Article 1 mm-hmm. almost as a throwaway article yeah, because there is right. no conflict between us and the Roman Catholic Church with this article. It's, no. it's, it's unity and agreement on this point. And so I think in, in several studies that I've seen of the Augsburg Confession and the Apology, it's almost like, well, let's get through Article 1 and maybe even Article 2, which has a little bit more meat and potatoes to it and before we can really start the study. No, there, there's a lot going on mm-hmm. and a lot of importance with starting at this point. I agree. And I yeah. think what that gets to is we want to talk more about our benefits, mm-hmm. yeah. what we get out of this relationship than the person giving them. The Mm -hmm. incurvatus. We are Uh, curved in on ourselves. That's a great, great expression. Not great, like good, but yeah. (laughs) It's an eye-opening one and it's it's a sobering one. But with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's read the the first article of the Augsburg Confession. And if you, wait, I'm going to interrupt you here. Just so if you want to follow along, I know we've referred to... Uh, a reader's edition of the Book of Concord, mm-hmm. but simply for copyright reasons mm-hmm. uh, and, and to be respectful of copyrighted material, we will be reading the articles yeah. from bookofconcord.org, which is a mm-hmm. public domain translation yeah, thanks of the for Book sharing of Concord. That. Yeah. Good. All right. So, Article 1 of God uh, says, Our churches, with common consent, do teach that the Decree of the Council of Nicaea concerning the unity of the divine essence and concerning the three persons is true and to be believed without any doubting. That is to say, there is one divine essence which is called and which is God, eternal, without body, without parts, or infinite of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, visible and invisible. And yet there are three persons of the same essence and power who also are co-eternal, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the term person they use as the fathers have used it to signify not a part or quality in another, but that which subsists of itself. 
They condemn all heresies which have sprung up against this article as the Manichaeans who assume two principles, the good and the other evil, also the Valentinians, Arians, Eunomians, Mohammedans, and all such. All these great... Uh, yeah, we're going yeah, we're we're to have we'll fun get, next episode going <laughs> we'll through get all into those. those. Um, I'll continue. They condemn also the Samastatines. 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 All right. Uh, thanks for putting up with my uh, bad reading. <laughs> okay. uh, this isn't bad lip reading. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because no one could see. It right. Be very yes. fun. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay. Continuing on. Old and new. Who contending that there is but one person sophistically and impiously argue that the word and the Holy Ghost are not distinct persons, but that word signifies a spoken word and spirit signifies motion created in things. I feel like uh, I'm getting payback for all the the times I've had people in my congregation read scripture and <laughs> give them a list of all the names. You know, oh yeah, so and so begot so and so. Yes, but what a great statement. Yes, um, ah, just I really appreciate the thought and the care that went behind that mm-hmm. statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 going to be a common theme with many of these articles. It's succinct. Yeah, yeah. It's precise. But it includes the necessary details to not mm-hmm. be an overgeneralization or an assumption. Yeah, yeah, great. And what's really important about that, and we sometimes miss the names that you were yeah, struggling with, right, yeah, are our yeah. early church yeah. wrestlings and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, heresies that had to be put yep. down. And most of those happened within the first four centuries. Paulo Samosata, the, mm-hmm. I can't yes. even say Paul this. of Sarasota. Yeah. Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> a Florida man. No, yeah. not Sarasota. <laughs> Samosata. But uh, those, those ideas and those different things things that these confessions came to clarify and to fight mm-hmm. against and that even our reformers were going back to that those first mm-hmm. five centuries yeah. of how God um, led his church to clarify uh, mm-hmm. doctrine, the doctrines that were really important to the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And it comes down again when you step back and think about it, what it amounts to is that heretics have written the theology of the church. Mm-hmm. Wherever someone, or at least inspired, ha- well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well yeah. that wherever someone has proclaimed error, it has become necessary for the church to clarify the teaching mm-hmm. of Scripture, and this is where we start from with the Trinity, and it and it is it's you know almost mind bending for us to consider today with where we are at in American society, Western society, however you want to classify it. But the Augsburg Confession and the Apology presuppose the existence of God. Mm-hmm. That's the foundation. That mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're not starting even with an apologetic for God, is that for this entire system to work, God has to exist. Mm-hmm. And, and that should seem obvious, but it's a really profound statement yeah. that we're, we're starting with God. Yeah. And what's really... Um applicable nowadays, this confession that was written Mm -hmm. uh, during the Reformation is when you say, I believe in God, the the next answer, which should be, is like, which one? Mm -hmm. And say this one. Mm -hmm. The triune God of creation, triune God of the Bible revealed Mm -hmm. as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet these three are one. It's it's amazing in in just doing that, how many of the, the tropes or the 
the cliches of today's modern mm-hmm. theology are eliminated because you start with an American spirituality. I won't even say Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just good enough to believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and that begs the question, well, what do you believe? Yeah. And then you say, well, I believe in God. Well, there is how many different religions can mm-hmm. just say that generically and mm-hmm. not cause offense that I believe in God. Well, I believe in, I believe in this God and all specific. That. Yeah, yeah right. I believe yeah. in God yeah. and all that. It's Brett's forthcoming book. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, Her- heresy revisited. Yeah. <laughs> I believe in specific things about a specific God, yeah. and and. From a scriptural perspective, and, and this is playing with words a little bit, but not really, uh, it, it kind of brings to the fore the the unrealistic position of atheism. Mm-hmm. And it, I always mm-hmm. go to Psalm 14 when I teach this. Uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. From a scriptural perspective, mm-hmm. the height of foolishness is atheism. And uh, if you pair that up with what is said in the New Testament, you really start to get a picture of why this is so important. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, we find out that it is forbidden to call your brother a fool. Mm-hmm. It's because you're calling him an atheist. You're mm. accusing him of not believing in God. Wow. And then you pair that up with the parable of the rich man in the barns. And, you know, the rich man has his harvest and... Uh, he says to himself, self, I know what I'm going to do. I'm mm-hmm. going to build more bounds and then I will have everything that I want. In the punchline <laughs> of that parable, God calls him a fool. He says, you fool. Mm. This night your soul will be required of you. He That's accuses really that man yeah. Yeah. of atheism because mm-hmm. he's living as if there is no God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I better repent. I've been calling a lot of people on the freeway fools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's one of those things where the we've kind of have had some mission creep with our insults in in they've just become common parlance, That's but really as a good. scriptural we need to get back to Luther's in the yeah, insult generator. The Luther, yes. the Luther insult generator is so much better anyway. Yeah, right. But, you know, this this notion that the height of all foolishness and the height of all mm-hmm. arrogance, because it's the breaking of the first commandment, is to refuse to believe in God. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding out now in the 21st century mm-hmm. is that modern science mm. bears out the existence of God. Uh, read anything uh, in the intelligent design movement. There's a lot of great things going on there. Yeah, Michael yeah. Behe, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Meyer, yeah. but just... The coded information in DNA itself points to the existence of God. Um, Historically, uh, there is uh, a vast percentage of human history uh, has existed with people believing in a higher power than ourselves. It's only really been the last three centuries since really what the Mm -hmm. the French Revolution and the Enlightenment Mm -hmm. where atheism has been a realistic and popular option for mm-hmm. people. But then theologically speaking, well, yeah, obviously the existence of God is there, but this right. is what we're getting at. Do you guys think that if like a modern day group of Lutherans rewrote the Augsburg Confession, how would they have written this one, Brian? What do you think uh, this this article I wouldn't have changed it. Yeah, right. I really, <laughs> I, I really wouldn't yeah. have. I might have clarified some of the, um, you know, the heresies and the groups of oh, heresies, right. you know, yeah. um, and maybe, cause maybe that was pretty common thought to church leaders back then. But 
uh, most of the people have never heard of the mm-hmm. names that you mentioned. Yeah, that's probably uh, why I read in it. there. Yeah. So I think that mm-hmm. that would be one thing. But I think it comes back to, and this is my conviction. So I'm just going to state that for the record. It might not be. Uh, the views expressed by Brian Ricky will not be that often. So now do I have to ask if we should start over? Since no, you no yeah. I don't think we should. I think it, this is really solid content. But I think the greatest human fear is, is honesty and truth. Because I think that atheism is a symptom of denial, if we're really honest. And, and I think that stems back to a fear of having to be accountable, mm-hmm. a fear of, of, of believing that you need something outside of yourself in order to be justified, to be saved. Mm-hmm. And I think that pride fights against that very thing. And that's just, again, that's mm-hmm. just my I, opinion. I, I would build on that. I think it's one of three causes of atheism. Mm-hmm. I think the first, like you say, we could call fear or denial. Mm-hmm. I think the second one is people who have been wounded by the church. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, um, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I, You know, you find out, um, you know, I... I don't like naming names, but part of Bart Ehrman's story mm. is that he grew up in a fundamentalistic, like Baptist congregation. Yeah, and there's several pastors that were mm-hmm. wounded fundamentalists, and they were self yeah. self-described yeah. that way. Right. But then I think the third one, and again, this is relatively new in the flow of human history, is just ignorance. We live in a post-Christian, uh, mm-hmm. a biblical society where uh, I remember one of the very first pastoral counseling opportunities I had. Uh, when I got into the parish, was a relative of my uh, of a ministry associate. So I, I don't want to get too into the details <laughs> here, but they lived far away, and this relative was here, sure. and it ended up being a tragic accident mm. where uh, a mother of teenage boys ended up dying. Mm. Um, and I was trying to counsel the family who had no background with me, had no, you know, there's no context. Mm. And and one of the, the broken relatives came up to me in the hospital as this mother was dying. And she said, you really believe in a God? And I said to her, it's, it's the Bible is clear from Genesis to Revelation that God is there and he's there for us. And she looked me straight in the eye and very sincerely said, I don't know what that means. Hmm. And it, is like I, I'm starting from a different point here, yeah. that oh you don't have any familiarity with with scripture, and so like people just think it's a natural thing that you start out not believing in God, and that comes from the ignorance and the intentional deception or whatever you want to yeah. call it. Especially if you start with the premise, and maybe this this gal was doing that, that God is there to make my life better, yeah, and to to save me from any type of suffering or pain. Mm-hmm. And I think if you start from that premise, you're going to have a, a very wrong view mm-hmm. of who God is because we brought this on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But you mentioned Bart Ehrman, and that comes back to kind of the inerrancy thing, doesn't mm-hmm. it? The whole infallibility of God's word and why do we need to stand mm-hmm. on the authority of God's word? And as God was presupposed in these confessions, mm-hmm. honestly, so too was the authority of God's word. Mm-hmm. It was pre, pre, presupposed in, in all of the early church fathers' writings as well as the reformers' writings. And I, you brought up an interesting thing that I've been kind of chewing on the back of my head since you said it, Brian. I think if the church, if the Lutheran church, if the conservative Lutheran church were to write a confession for today, mm-hmm. yeah. I think our starting point would actually be inerrancy and not the existence of God. And I wonder what the implications of that mm-hmm. would be. 
Now, on the one hand, 500 years ago when the Lutheran confessions were written, uh, the topic of inerrancy wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, as it is today. As it yeah. is today. But I think probably uh, inerrancy has a stronger case if we establish the existence of God first. Not if we're starting with inerrancy and use scripture to demonstrate the existence of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've got to think about that. But that's an interesting thing that you mm-hmm. said. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I guess you could, I think sometimes you have to approach each person kind of as From an individual. Where, where they're at. Exactly. Yeah. And so right. sometimes if, if there's a, a person who loves nature, I think mm-hmm. really starting with the design and the creation mm-hmm. of the universe is mm-hmm. a great place. Uh, someone is purely uh, maybe linear thinking, maybe mm-hmm. more of, of, a, of an engineering mindset, um, maybe starting with the infall- you know infallibility and inerrancy of God's word. I think I think that sometimes you just kind of have to take each person mm-hmm. as to where they're coming and and right. and it takes wisdom I, from the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm just yeah. going to tell you that I have some too. But what mm-hmm. baggage are you bringing into the conversation? Yep. Yeah, you know. Right. And 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 we should point out it now would be a good time to point out there are several good resources. Uh, if you are wondering about having these conversations mm-hmm. with people who in, in your circles, um, family, friends, coworkers who are atheists, mm-hmm. um, all of the theology in it is to be commended. But I think uh, the Truth Project, mm-hmm. which is now 15, 20 years old, it's hard to believe, yeah, right. does a good job establishing an argument for the existence of God. And mm-hmm. and they use um, the, uh, the, the laws of the universe. As as one of their arguments that there are fundamental laws in the universe, as demonstrated by science, that if they were altered even a little bit, yeah. life could not exist. Uh, and then flowing from that, uh, also by the same producers, but this is with Stephen Meyer, a guy who uh, people know by now is one of my heroes, mm-hmm. is a project called True You. Mm-hmm. And and there's been a couple of those. I out, have and, that. Yeah. And that series is fantastic. It is. It, it gets a little weighty. <laughs> and so you, you have to kind of like really pay attention to, right. to what they're saying. But it's, it is very, very solid, very good. Yeah, I think it's worth, you know, if you if you are, are wanting to learn more about it, there's these curriculums that are there. Curricula, I should say. There, there's enough out there that if you want to educate yourself, there, there are good avenues to do absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, with that, mm-hmm. uh, I'd love to read a scripture. Yeah, go for it. Please. And uh, continue our discussion mm-hmm. in the next episode. Um, we actually did a Bible study on this not too long ago, and I thought it'd be a great place to start. Uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, mm-hmm. and Jesus came to them and said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please tune in next week as we continue our discussion on Article 1 of the Augsburg Confession. God bless you and have a great week.